0: Uh, This morning's scripture text again is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Uh, As you're turning there in your Bible, I have a question. How many of you are exhausted this morning? I don't mean tired. I'm talking the exhaustion of being up to your ears in schoolwork, working on papers and projects and readings, and aren't really sure how you're going to be able to get it all done. Maybe you're trying to nail down a job and just can't fill out one more application only to get turned down yet again. Or maybe you're a new parent and can't seem to get a handle on life or really anything else. Maybe you're experiencing the exhaustion of wave after wave of difficult news that you seem to continue getting. Maybe for some of you it's, it's coming out of a church that placed all kinds of religious demands and pressure on you and your time. Or the exhaustion that results from having to be everywhere all the time. Or exhausted by the mental space it takes to make sure everything happens and everyone is where they should be, when they should be. We are so busy with so many things, so many responsibilities, so many pressures, So much is demanded of us, and we have so much to do. And most of these things are good things, but we're tired, we're worn out, in need of rest. This morning I want us to keep that type of exhaustion in mind as we as we see from God's Word the fix to our exhaustion. But before we read our passage, let's pray and seek the Lord together. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds and our souls to um, to sort of block out the distractions. Holy Spirit, would you give us new eyes? Would you pluck our hearts to love you and others more and more? Help us to focus on your word, that it would edify us and grow us. We love you, Lord. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading again is Matthew chapter 11. I'll be reading verses 28 through 30. Come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Before preparing this sermon, I defined rest as absence of work. I thought of long Sunday afternoon naps, two or three hours of uninterrupted idleness after my work at church is done for the day. While aspects of that definition are true, it wasn't until I really studied this passage that I began to understand rest, true rest. Soul rest, the type of rest Jesus offers to anyone who will take him up on his invitation to receive it. It's that type of rest I want us to think about today. Look with me in verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. The historical context is that the people Jesus is speaking to are living when religious legalism ruled the day. The Old Testament law was given by God to help his people thrive in life and in relationship with him. Over time, however, the religious leaders, trying to answer all the people's questions of the what-ifs of life, had taken the law and added a ton of their own rules on top of God's law. 613 of them, to be exact. Because these rules were forced on the people by the religious leaders, the rules had become exhausting. One commentator notes that the religious leaders' delight in the law was not necessarily shared by the common people, to whom it may well have appeared much more burdensome than the rabbis thought. To quote, The arbitrary demands of Pharisaic legalism And the uncertainties of ever-proliferating case law point to a situation where what was a delight to the legal experts was intolerable to ordinary people. So it makes sense why Jesus' teaching brought increasing opposition from the religious leaders. The people were tired and burdened from all the religious things they had to do. It also makes sense why so many wanted to hear Jesus preach and why the leaders were angry The people needed an alternative to how they were living. They needed rest and relief. And here in verse 28, Jesus invites everyone to come to him and receive it. Jesus is saying that true rest and relief is found in him, not in what the religious leaders demanded and taught. Jesus is the sole rest the people were starving for. This would have been great news especially when Jesus is compared with the religious leaders of his day. Listen to Matthew 23, 4 and how it speaks of the religious leaders. Matthew 23, 4. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. How discouraging and disheartening must it have been to live under the exhaustion caused by the religious leaders and their endless rules who placed heavy burdens on others but refused to do them themselves. So when Jesus invited his listeners to come to him in the midst of their weariness and exhaustion from carrying such heavy burdens placed on them by others, Jesus' invitation was a lifeline. They longed for a reprieve from their burdens. They needed what rest means here in verse 28, a restorative break from their work and worldly striving. Did you hear that? Rest is a restorative break from work and worldly striving. And it's a restorative break that Jesus offers to them when he invited them to come to him. The importance of restorative rest. Over the past 20 years, I have grown increasingly tired. I thought it was just life or age. Youth workers were crazy hours, believe it or not. Sometimes early mornings, many late nights, monthly events with large energy output and not a ton of sleep. My weekly schedule is crazy. Add in marriage and four kids and their busy schedules, and you can see how I might be perpetually tired. So I would take a short nap after supper almost every night and sleep as many hours as I could uh, on my day off to catch up. And while I never suffered from lack of energy, I now think that I never truly rested. Last year, when I was on a work trip, trip, I shared an Airbnb with some youth workers from around the country. After the first night, two of the guys approached me and said that I needed to get a sleep test, as they both have sleep apnea and were certain from listening to me sleep or snore through the walls that I had it too. So I got a sleep test, and I failed it. On average, I stopped breathing 17 times per hour. I'm not good at math, but I think that means I'd stop breathing once every three and a half minutes. That meant I never got into REM sleep. So while I never felt sluggish, I don't think I ever truly rested. The first night uh, I used my breathing machine, I woke up the next morning rested, although I didn't know it at the time. I came downstairs without an alarm and about 60 minutes earlier than most days. And Kathy asked me, what was going on? I said, I didn't know. I was just awake. Within a few days, my family asked me to be a bit less engaged in breakfast. (laughs) Fewer questions, much less excitement, and in their terms, more understanding of what time it was in the morning, which was new because in the past, I'd come to breakfast and I'd sit there like a dead man. Within a few months, uh, that was a few months ago, now I rarely take an afternoon nap. Sunday naps are welcomed but not required, and long stretches of sleep on my day off are not essential for basic functioning. While this is rare on the nights when I haven't used my machine, I notice I wake up tired, not rested, and not restored. I used to think that the rest I needed was just more sleep. I didn't know that the rest I needed was more than just an absence of work. It wasn't more naps. My exhaustion wasn't something I could fix on my own. The restorative rest I needed wasn't found in me at all. The restorative rest was found outside of myself by something else that causes restorative rest when I connect with it daily. And I'll tell you, my life has changed for the better as a result. So what about you? Do you need the restorative rest that Jesus invites you to receive? Some have lived most of their life in a situation where this Jesus rest is part of your DNA. You've been in campus ministries and churches which preach and teach and live the the type of soul rest that Jesus is offering. And you've built in your daily rhythms time to come to the Lord for his restorative rest. If that's you, keep doing it. And I encourage you to thank God for that. What a blessing. For those of you who haven't, who maybe have grown up in a culture much like the one Jesus preached in, where legalism and rules upon rules were added to what it means to be a Christian, or a culture where everyone is supposedly Christian, but the fruit produced in their lives doesn't look a lot like Christ. Have you sought out the rest that Jesus is offering? Are you still living a tired and burdened life? trying to live out all the Jesus plus rules imposed upon you by others, Jesus invites you daily to come to him and receive rest, true rest, restorative rest. For others, you've just gotten so busy with the burdens and demands of life that you need to be reminded of God's invitation to come to him, to return to him. The only one able to give you the rest that you long for Rest from racing and anxious thoughts. Rest from the worries and realities that living in our world confront us with all the time. Rest from the fears about not having enough money or the right job or getting into the right school. Friends, it's easy to get so busy with life that we lose sight of Jesus and forget that we need to rest. It's easy to turn to diversions that give us brief separation from reality, but don't provide restorative rest. And then we wonder why we're so tired and exhausted and lonely and defeated. Jesus invites us to come back to him daily, and he will give us the rest our souls need and long for. There may be some here today who haven't responded to the invitation of Christ to come to him. You don't know Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life. You know life is too too much to carry on your own, and you're tired and exhausted and burnt out from all the burdens you are carrying, and know you can't carry them alone. You need relief. You need rest. Jesus invites you to come to him, promising you that in him you will find rest. Rest. Not just absence of work, but soul rest. Respond to Jesus' invitation to come to him. Next, look with me in verse 29. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For most of us, when Jesus speaks of a yoke, we don't readily have a picture in our mind of what Jesus is talking about. A yoke is a wooden frame placed on two animals, normally oxen, which joined them together and was used for pulling heavy loads. A yoke is a means of placing the animal in service. It was also used to ease the discomfort one had when carrying a load. It symbolizes obedience and the acceptance of responsibility. The Jewish leader of Jesus' day often spoke of being under the yoke of the law, So when Jesus invites the tired and weary to come, he's offering an alternative to the yoke they are currently in. The rest Jesus offers is not absence from work. It's not even a promise of ease and release from worldly responsibility. It's not release from obedience and responsibility. What Jesus is commanding us to do is to commit to obeying and learning from him. When he uses the word take in verse 29, he's using an imperative. It's a command. He is commanding people to willingly place his yoke on themselves and obey, learn from, and submit to him. The words obey and submit might send up red flags for some today. One can only assume that many in Jesus' original audience must have had these same concerns. They too had suffered under the demands and rules from the scribes and Pharisees their entire lives and needed relief. So why in the world would they and some of us today sign up to exchange the religious leaders' yoke and burdens for Jesus' yoke and burdens? The key difference is who the person is who makes the demands. Verse 29 is the only place in the Bible where Jesus describes his heart saying, I am meek and lowly in heart. Another way to say it is because I am gentle and gentle and humble that little clause there is a motivational clause. It, it empowers the action that Jesus is calling them to the difference between the religious leaders and Jesus is that Jesus is gentle and humble he's caring and compassionate he loves those who are his that's why they're able to willingly place his yoke upon themselves and learn from him without fear or hesitation they're able to trust him and the rest he promises their souls because of who he is. So when I was in college, I worked for three and a half years at a group home for those with disabilities. The adult residents I worked with were low-functioning, nonverbal, and physically violent. I loved working with Ryan and David and Alroy and Tracy, Teresa and Linda. My staff and I took care of helping them go to the bathroom to eat, to bathe, to get dressed, to receive medications, to go on outings and appointments, and all other aspects of life. One of the not so fun parts of the job was changing dirty diapers, which happened a lot during each shift. As I trained in new staff, I soon found out that there are two basic ways to change a diaper. The first is to get the job done as soon as possible, no gentleness. No concern for the resident and their discomfort. The second way is to be gentle and resident focused. It might be coupled with conversation or singing or talking to the resident about each step of the process. It was clear which staff cared for the resident and saw the task as an opportunity to show love and care, and which staff saw changing the diaper as merely part of the job. The staff who really cared for the person showed the gentleness and and used it as an opportunity to show love. The other was focused on completing the task with little extra regard or concern or love for the resident. It didn't take long to see how the task was completed flowed out from the type of person performing the task. One placed the priority on the task at hand and lost sight of the individual. The other placed the priority on loving the resident and saw the task as part of loving them well. Do you see the difference in how the task is done reveals the heart and motivation of the one doing it? In a weird way, this is what Jesus is talking about. When we put on Christ's yoke and commit to do life his way, we must remember who Christ is. He is gentle and humble He isn't commanding you to learn from him as a a distant teacher who uncaringly delivers content. You aren't just a job to him or an information receptacle. He isn't detached and distant. Instead, he shares who he is with us. He says, I am gentle, not arrogant, not overbearing, not callous or cruel. Gentle. Gentle. And he says he is lowly in heart. His disposition is lowly or unpretentious. It's as we come to him and spend time with him and learn from him that we experience his gentle, unpretentious, and humble way with us. So commit to spending time with him daily in the word. Getting to know him. For some of us, getting to know him afresh in silence, and solitude, allowing him to teach us who he is and knowing that his way is best. It's taking time out of our busy schedules to be with Jesus in prayer, speaking with him about everything that's on our mind and asking him to help us and giving him the yokes and burdens that are too much for us to carry. It's coming to church each week gathering with God's people to grow in grace and maturity as we yoke together in learning from Jesus and growing in relationship with Him together. I want to be careful here. I don't want to sound callous, trite, or uncaring. I want to acknowledge there are times when God seems distant and we don't know why He's doing something or, or more often why He's not doing something. Friend, as you face life's incredibly heavy burdens and tiresome work, know that Christ cares about you and will be gentle with you. It's as you spend time with him in those moments of distress and pain that somehow, in the way that God works, you will find the rest that your soul longs for the most. It's as you receive your latest treatment, as you lie next to the one who you love is really sick or dying as you weep over a wayward child, as you agonize over your identity and grieve the burden of feeling like you don't fit. It's in the difficulty of trying to navigate life as you are trying to help your children navigate theirs or in whatever burdens you are facing. It's in those moments when you come to Jesus and, and spend time with him, learning from him, that you will find the kind of rest Jesus promises in our, bird, in our verses today, the rest that is restorative. Rest that gives a break from your work and worldly striving. The kind of rest that brings a a quiet contentment, knowing that the world's affairs, and more specifically your affairs, with all that's associated with the work and the burdens, and isn't up to us at all, but we need to remember it lies safely in the hands of the one able to hold all things together. I appreciate Craig Blomberg's insight into verse 29 when he writes, Christians are not promised freedom from illness or calamity, but they may experience God's sustaining grace so that they are not crushed or driven to despair. The rest Jesus offers his disciples enables them to overcome the measure of fear, anxiety, uncertainty, and meaninglessness in the joy and peace of God's very presence in Jesus Christ. That's so good. I'll read it again a second time. Christians are not promised freedom from illness or calamity, but they may experience God's sustaining grace so that they are not crushed or driven to despair. The rest Jesus offers his disciples enables them to overcome a certain measure of fear, anxiety, uncertainty, and meaninglessness in the joy and peace of God's very presence in Jesus Christ. I hope that encourages you as it did me. It is as we learn from him with his yoke on us, as as we follow him and as the Holy Spirit works gentleness and humility into our lives, we will find that his yoke is not difficult. We will find we have the strength to carry the load because he has provided us with the Holy Spirit to not only survive, but to flourish. So the first thing Jesus invites us to do is to come to him. The second thing Jesus commands us to do is to put on his yoke and learn his gentle and humble ways. In verse 30, we are told why the yoke Jesus is inviting his listeners to put on is better than their current one. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. While it's not entirely clear in the Greek what is meant by an easy yoke, it seems to mean a well designed yoke which distributes the load comfortably. It means that Jesus' yoke is easy to wear, it fits. One commentator puts it like this, the weariness of the load bearing can be considerably reduced by a well-designed yoke. So the yoke Jesus invites us to put on is one that fits well and allows the individual to more easily carry the load that is placed on them by a kind owner in this place, Jesus. And remember his listeners' situation. They're weary and burdened and exhausted by the demands of the religious leaders and the demands of the world. The load they are carrying is too heavy, and the yoke doesn't fit and is causing great discomfort. Jesus is offering a a substitute burden that is light to be carried with a yoke designed for them that fits them well and with the power to carry it given by Jesus himself. Here again, we are left with more motivation the rest of the soul that jesus offers enables them to overcome to overcome fear and anxiety and meaninglessness and exhaustion and how is this done by coming to jesus christ The one who offers peace and rest to those who respond to his invitation to come to him and exchange their tiredness, their anxiety and exhaustion and learn from him how to live life the way he designed it to be lived. For the burden he places on us is light when it's empowered by his love. When I thought about a well-designed yoke, I thought about moving large appliances. Imagine... Imagine you have a large dryer in the bed of a truck, and it has to be moved off the truck, across the front yard, through the front door, and down the steps into the basement. Uh, You and your helper have a game plan. As you begin moving the dryer, it feels like it is getting heavier by the second, and man, it is super unwieldy. And who even knows if it's going to fit through the door if you don't drop it in the front yard on the way to the door? And if it does fit through the door, how many layers of skin are you going to lose getting it through the doorway? Each step of the way is a wrestling match, and you're stressed, and it's not fun. Ever been there? I have. The burden of carrying it is awful. And when you finish, you're out of breath. You might be a little bit bruised or bloody and just glad it's over. Now, have you ever moved a large appliance with moving straps or a shoulder dolly? The shoulder harness adjusts to fit securely and comfortably on each person who will carry the large item. The straps are then attached to the shoulder harness and then slipped under the heavy appliance, which distributes the weight. It uses the principle of leverage to allow you to lift more than you normally could, sometimes even up to 800 pounds, and allows you to more easily, safely, and securely move the appliance. Sometimes, I've tried it, You can do it hands-free. The straps don't take away the weight. They don't make the large appliances less unruly. And it still takes great care and lots of strength. It just allows you to more easily carry the burden. The shoulder dolly acts much in the same way as Jesus' yoke does. There are still heavy burdens to carry, and like the movable shoulder strap, when we come to Jesus, the shoulder strap is perfectly fitted and adjusted to us so we can more easily carry the burden. And with Jesus' yoke, like the way the shoulder strap functions, the weight of the burdens we carry are resituated so as to be easier to carry and allows us to actually carry more than we could if we were doing it on our own. It's when Jesus fits us with his yoke And we learn from him that we are able to carry the burdens he gives us. Not because of our strength, but because of the strength and the tools that he provides. As we think about applying verse 30 to our lives, I just want to take a moment and rhetorically ask how many of you feel the increased and increasing weight of the burdens you are carrying? Aren't you tired of trying to carrying it on your own, in your own strength? You are under the weight of a yoke which is tiring and exhausting. Jesus is inviting you again to take off the yoke you are under and put on his, which will actually make things better and make things easier to carry. It is a conscious and daily decision to submit ourselves and our lives to Christ's rule and reign in our lives. It is as we respond to Jesus' invitation to come to him, either for the first time or each day thereafter, especially when new burdens are placed upon us, that we will find his yoke is a perfect fit. And we'll find that being yoked with Christ is what we've always longed for, and that doing so leads to restorative rest. Okay, Terwilliger, land the plane. Two things I want to leave you with this morning. First, because of Christ's finished work on the cross on our behalf, we can have true rest. Not a Sunday afternoon nap on the couch rest, but real rest. Soul rest. Rest which enlivens, recharges, and restores us. Rest which restores us to live as we were created to live, to actually flourish It is only through the death and resurrection of Christ that present rest and eternal rest are even possible. We need to rejoice in that daily. We have eternal rest in the present and forever because of what Christ did for us here and now and for all eternity. All we need to do is respond to his invitation to come to him. Second, we have the privilege of saturating our lives, our work and personal relationships, our marriages, our families, our callings, and our communities in the grace lavishing rest that Jesus offers. Rest from the rat race of life. Rest from the drive to always achieve. Rest from the, anxi- the anxiety that haunts our thoughts. Rest from the fear of failure. Rest from the regrets of past decisions. Rest from the demands and burdens of the world and that often we ourselves place upon ourselves. Rest that satisfies our souls and quenches the longings of our hearts. And how can Jesus offer this rest? Because of who he is. He is gentle and considerate and meek. And his disposition is humble and unpretentious. It's as we respond to his invitation to come to him either for the first time or all the time and learn his way that we will experience the the restorative break from labor and worldly striving we, we so easily get caught up in which leads to our exhaustion. This is what our soul needs most, what our relationships need most, what our marriages need most, what our kids need most what our jobs need most, what our neighborhoods, our city, and our world needs most. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, it is. Let's pray. Lord, rest seems so elusive for so many of us. The burdens and the weights that we carry seem... Seem overwhelming, but we are afraid to let them go. Jesus, remind us that you have invited us to come to you. Remind us, Jesus, that you are the one who is rest and who gives rest, the restorative rest that our souls are longing for. Jesus, how can we not spend time with you? Jesus, help us to do that, to spend time with you, to learn from you, to give you our burdens, to find that restorative rest that you promise and that you provide. Jesus, we love you. We love you that you are meek and unpretentious and humble. We praise you that you are gentle with us and that you love us. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.